Hey there, it's Meike here. So before we jump into today's very important conversation, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my Ultimate Podcast Guesting Workshop Series. So if you're someone who wants to learn how you can send fewer pitches and yet still manage to guest on more beautifully aligned podcasts to grow your business and build some pretty amazing relationships along the way, this workshop series is for you. This is an on-demand workshop, meaning that so long as it's in existence, you can access it 24-7, 365 days out of the year. So if you are interested in learning more about that, head on over to the link in my show notes where you'll find a sponsor link for this episode. And a quick tip for you when it comes to podcast guesting, I recommend that you start before you need it. And that's all from me for the sponsor message. And now back to the show. Hello, my lovelies. This is May K. Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. Oh my goodness, today's guest is... I don't even know how to explain him in words because he's just so many things. And I just, I'm really excited for this conversation today because we're going to be speaking about how you can be your own guru. And that is with none other than the amazing Bobby Clink. So Bobby, welcome to the Quiet Rebels podcast today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Okay. I'm excited for the conversation. I, I, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I yeah, think we're we going to have a-, a good time. <laughs> exactly. And like we, we were kind of like jumping in pretty blindly with this because um, this topic has so many ebbs and flows. And before we get into like the discussions and that may be talking about, you know, privileges and all those sorts of things about how we can acknowledge that in other people and ourselves to find our own path of being our, go- our own guru. But before we do begin, I'd love to know, how did you really get into this? Because I know where I first saw you, and I think we should tell the story of like how we met <laughs> and the things yep. afterwards. But first, I want to hear it from your perspective. Like, how did you get into this? So uh, I've had a very twisted path. So uh, for the listeners who don't know me, I'm a lawyer by training. Um, went to Harvard Law School, graduated with honors, had um, the, kind of like the, the dream trajectory for a lot of lawyers. I after law school, I worked for a court of appeals judge. He was actually one of um, a lot of people say he's one of the most respected liberal judges never make it to make it to the Supreme Court. Bill Clinton considered him twice. 
um, but didn't appoint him. Um, so I did that. Then I worked at, at prestigious firms in Washington, D.C., including at the second one, a, a firm where my mentor was this guy that I called Neil at the time. Now I have to call him Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. So, I mean, this is kind of the the legal strata in the U.S. that I was living in. The, you know, they're, they're called white shoe law firms, but kind of the, the elite upper crust uh, law firms. And so I was doing that. But <laughs> there was a slight problem. I played in a punk rock band in college. So I'm like this punk rock kid, <laughs> like wearing a suit, trying to be suited up and doing all these things. But I did. So, I mean, I did it for a while. Then I, I became a federal prosecutor, um, which was a, an amazing experience, partly because I got to say, stand up every day and say, I'm here on behalf of the United States of America. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of thinking now, or there are cases now that I wish I hadn't prosecuted. And there really aren't. There's none where I look back and say, we didn't. That's partly because I was a federal prosecutor and we tended to only take cases where, you know, it was the really bad people. Um, and so I did that for a while. And then I, I made a, a real shift. I joined an entrepreneurial law firm in 2010. And in doing so, made the classic entrepreneurial mistake. We didn't have an agreement in writing about what was going to happen. Oh, like, no. like, how would I become partner and all that? Which, you know, in a lot of law firms, not a big deal. But this was a law firm that we did contingency fee work, which meant that we had long stretches where there was no money in the firm. And I didn't get paid when there was no money. So I had all the downside risk, but none of the guaranteed upside. Um, and, and they treated me completely fairly. Like we split the money almost evenly. It was me and two other guys. And then my wife got pregnant. And this would have been in 2000. Um, when was this? It would have been 2013. And I, at that point, I said, hey, eh, you know, got to start talking about this, figuring out how, how do we do it? And we couldn't. And uh, over a period that ended up being about nine months, we, we tried to talk about it, but didn't. It came to a head when my daughter was three months old. Um, I was sitting here. I'm, I'm in my basement now, sitting down here. It was, didn't really have an office down here at the time, but we did a conference call uh, on a Sunday night and it was snowy. And it's a good thing it was a conference call. I would have thrown a coffee mug at one of the guys if we'd been in person, probably, and might have been in jail. Um, but I literally looked over at my wife and brother-in-law who were here at the time, and I said, we're going to the office. I went and I dropped my stuff off and picked up everything I had there. Um, and I, I hung a shingle, started my own law firm <laughs> with no plans. And the problem was, I didn't know how to market worth, worth anything. I basically knew nothing about marketing. I had never done it. I had never thought about it. So I started out by trying to read books about marketing for lawyers. Those are some of the dumbest books in the world. Just FYI, don't, don't ever think about those because like literally the advice is, you know, write articles for lawyers, go hang out with lawyers. And they kind of miss the part of like being with your clients and focusing mm. on your potential clients. Plus I didn't really want to hang out with lawyers because they're not my crowd for the most part. Um, but so after that didn't work, I just started reading about marketing and I dove in and I found HubSpot. I don't know if, if your listeners know HubSpot, it's not really a, a, a software that is meant for us as online marketers as much. It's built for bigger digital marketers, but they had an academy. And I just dove in and learned all this stuff about inbound marketing, about uh, content marketing, social media marketing. And I was like, this sounds like something I could do. And so I started dabbling in it to build my law firm. I'm, I am an Amazon bestselling author with a book called Patent Litigation Primer. Again, don't buy that book. Seriously, they, <laughs> no one should buy that book. People are going to check it out now. <laughs> don't, don't. I mean, it's funny. People still do because like I'll re like every single month, I, I get like a small, I don't know, it's less than 10 bucks, but I get about 10 bucks from Amazon every single month still. I'm like, <laughs> I need to 
figure out how to like, I don't even remember the login account for it. I'm like, I got to figure out how to like say, stop, stop selling this. <laughs> um, no, but, but so I did that and, you know, I was trying to build my law firm and I was having some success, but the problem was I wasn't really happy. And at some point I was working with a life coach and she said, like, after we've done all the other stuff, relationship, personal, I mean, we've been working together, I don't know, probably six to nine months at this point. She asked me, do you like what you do for a living? And I fumbled. And for the first time I admitted to someone other than my wife that the answer to that was no. And um, so she said, okay, what are we going to do about that? And literally on that call, she said, well, I could see you talking to entrepreneurs, going to podcasts, going to radio and, and giving people tidbits. And I said, huh, it was an interesting idea. We hung up. Our next call was two weeks later. By that point, I had hired a, a podcast booking agency to book me onto like 30 or 40 different podcasts. Again, at the time, like, you'll laugh at this, knowing me. My, <laughs> <Knowing> me. <laughs> my headshot was literally me in a suit in the classic lawyer pose. Oh, like, gosh. I mean, you know, yeah. crossed. <laughs> I mean, it was just like ridiculous uh, given who I am, but I was doing that. But so again, so I started down that path and this was 2017. And so I have these great hopes and great dreams. And she said, I can see you creating a course. Like, good idea. I'm going to create a course. And so I, I created a course. And um, in 2017, I would estimate I probably pumped about $50,000 into this online business I was building because I had a law firm. So I had the money and I was doing it. Uh, I made one sale for $627, the only time I launched. And she asked for a refund on day 29 of a 30 day <gasps> refund policy. Oh, never no. having opened the course. Like she never even got into it. But oh gosh. <laughs> in some ways, it, it, in some ways her asking for that refund was good. Cause otherwise I would have had this course <laughs> with like that. Um, but so that was 2017 and uh, December 31st, 2017 was a Sunday. I remember cause I happened to be in church and only made it by happenstance. My in-laws are in town. Halftime when the in-laws are in town, we don't get going early enough. We don't get to church, but we did. And my pastor was talking about giving, but it wasn't about giving the church. It was about how giving changes you as a person. And so I right there on the spot said, giving is going to be my word of the year for 2018. And that little shift changed things. And when people think of me now, what they think of is how giving I am, how I serve first, how I don't, I mean, I don't worry about the money. I don't think about the money. I don't do any of that. I just say, how can I serve my audience? How can I give and provide ways to give value? And I trust the universe is going to pay me back. And so that was kind of the shift. And I did that and it, it was fits and starts. I really made my first money in April of 2018. By the end of 2018, um, I had had made over a quarter million dollars that year selling. At first I called it a membership, but really it was selling legal templates. And so I that's bought, what I, I did. bought those legal templates actually. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I mean I did it, but but what happened was like it, it really came. I was in a group of entrepreneurs. Uh, I bought a program through an affiliate, and the affiliate group had a thousand people in it because it was one of the bigger affiliates. And so I was just serving people, and I literally asked them. I said, like I asked the the admin of the group. I said, hey. I, I want to post my my lead magnets in here. Shit. Oh yeah, you know you can't post links. I said no, no, not a link. I want to just put the PDF in here for people to have. And she was kind of confused. She was like, wait, wait, what? Because it was you know people they don't sign do up that. the email list, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and so because again, what I was creating lead magnets for entrepreneurs, and so I was like, well, they would need this stuff, and so I just gave it to them. And I, I also found I knew a lot about marketing. It hadn't worked yet, but I knew a lot and could answer questions. So I was just answering questions in the group. 
Um, and so that happened. Um, and it was Amy Porterfield was the affiliate. It was her group. Then I, I was sitting in my office. I don't remember what it, it would have been sometime in April of 2018. And I get an email comes coming from Amy. I'm figuring it's an automated email, you know, part of being sent everyone. Yeah, yeah, right. One of those things. And I open it and it's a voice gram and I do it. And it's a voice message from her to me saying she's creating this new program called Systems at Scale. And she really wants to include a legal training in it, but she doesn't, she can't do it. Would I be interested in being a guest teacher? Now, mind you, at this point, I think in April, I made like a thousand or $2,000. So I made a thousand or $2,000 online and she's asking me to teach something in her course. So I run downstairs. My wife was in the laundry room. Like, you know, at the time I went in and I said, Amy, Porter. she's like, what? Oh, she has no idea what I'm doing, what I'm talking about. <laughs> she doesn't understand the excitement. So I run back upstairs and I'm like very, very confidently saying, okay, okay. Don't be too excited. Don't, don't be too excited. Don't, don't come <laughs> on. You know? And so I typed this response that said something like, well, sh- I'd love to, I don't know if you know, I'm launching May 1st. I'm launching my program because I'd set that as a date. And then I also said, and, I, and I'm doing this GDPR training for my community. And so, uh, but I'm sure we can find a time to do it. And so I shoot that off and like, I shoot it off and literally within a minute, I get a ping right back from her. And she's like, hold up, cool, hold up GDPR training. How much are you charging for it? I might be interested. And again, I respond to say charge. I'm giving it away for free. <laughs> <Which> again, <laughs> he's like, wait, what? Because again, lawyers, if you're new in the space, listening to this, you don't understand back in 2018, lawyers were trying to basically come up with any way to charge people something about GDPR. It was just like, oh, how can I find out something to charge people for? And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so Amy then has me on her podcast. She then responded saying, well, I've been looking to have someone on my podcast to talk about GDPR. Would you be interested? Sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> why, why not? not? <laughs> you know? And so I, I, I come in and I don't think I told her that May 1st is my launch date, but I come in, I do the interview. She released that episode on April 30th, the day oh. before my first launch. Um, and then that first launch that May, I had, I had a $70,000 month. which was just, you know, life-changing in a sense, because it gave me confidence that I could do this. So that's the thing. And since then I have rebelled against everything that I learned from everybody in the space and caused trouble, but that's really how I got my start. And now I do business coaching as well as helping people with the legal stuff. Yes. I, I remember this happening in real time because I was there in that community when um, when you're answering this question, everybody knew who you were because I think it should, yeah, she was an affiliate. Uh, but you were in the 2019 cohort, right? Or 2018? I, I don't remember the, the years. <laughs> I think you were in two, I think you were in 2019. I think you were the next year when I was an ambassador in the group. I can't remember. Yes, I think that's, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. You were an ambassador. And yeah, so, I, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what had happened. It's like, I built this relationship with Amy and I became like her legal guy. I was advising her team you on were, intellectual property yes. stuff and doing all those things. And I mean, to continue this story. So I had this $70,000 month and then I'm like, great, I've made it. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Just that way <laughs> so I was going at that point by this standard rule book that you, you do like what you should do is, and this is like, I think I'd learned this from I don't remember, but someone at the time, the idea was you do a launch every week. You do a webinar every week, a live webinar until you really perfect it. And so I was doing that with the help of a Facebook ads person getting it. But just FYI, if you don't have like $10,000 a week to pump into Facebook ads, 
it's going to make for many times that you show up at a webinar and like you have one person there, which mm. if you've ever done that, not fun, hard to get, at least for me, I'm an extrovert. I get energy from people. So having one person there is really hard to get excited. But so through the summer, things weren't working great. I was losing money. I was spending more than I was making. Um, and Amy was having an event in August and I almost didn't go. That's one thing I should have saved this, by the way, this is one of the things, weird facts, but you know, um, I almost didn't go to that event. I was like, I don't know that it's worth it. I'm going to have to pay money to, for a flight. I'm going to, you know, the hotel and all that. I was like, I don't know. And my wife said, so quit being dumb, get out there. And she said a network while you're there. Literally, this was the advice my wife gave me. And <laughs> funny me coming from lawyer world, I actually got myself business cards, which is hilarious in an event, <laughs> but but I get out there and everybody knew me. Like it was weird. I was like, the people would walk up. Can I take a picture with you? I'm like, I'm looking behind me. I'm like, is there someone behind me that they're talking to? <laughs> but this was the thing. I recognized that I was doing something right. I was mm. building up authority, positioning, brand equity, all these things that like real marketers understand and do all the time. I was just doing it naturally because that's part of my natural tendencies as a person, but that was like another aha moment for me in that event. So I like, I can pick up on all these little moments that really change the trajectory. And like, that was one of them. And luckily I had a friend there who she, she's one of my Australian friends. Um, I mean, I, I only knew her a little bit before we came, we became fast friends at this event, partly because she made fun of me the whole time. <laughs> she would like walk around and Joseph, have you met Bobby? Like making <laughs> And making sure I knew my place. <laughs> so, but you know, those those are like the little things that I can think of all these moments in my life that changed everything. And I, and most of us can't if we look back. And you know, I, I can't help but you know, thank my lucky stars that that I happened to notice these things and take advantage of them. Mm, yeah, and I, again, I remember watching this trajectory, and even if it was from the. 2019 cohort when you're in the Basta. I, I remember and I remember seeing you in real life as well 2019 it was uh, October for yep. uh was it entrepreneur experience yep. uh with with Amy and yeah I just remember meeting you IRL but I'll tell you Bobby and this is the first time I'm revealing this out in the open okay but you know which story I'm about, about to go with yeah. so so for my quiet rebels I was actually really scared to meet Bobby not because he's scary but because uh, a couple of months prior, I had sent my, he was the first person I sent a podcast pitch to. So if any of you know my story, uh, in a quick nutshell, in 2019, in the summer, I sent myself a challenge to pitch to 101 podcasters in 30 days. I, um, it was advice I got from my mentors to try and guess on more podcasts, to build my authority, fill the pipeline, all the things. Bobby was the first one who I pitched to. And I knew nothing about pitching at this point. I had no templates, no guidance, no nothing. So I just did what I could. And I'm thankful to this day to you, Bobby, as you know, that you when you sent a response, it was a rejection. And it had it wasn't a harsh rejection at all, it, but it had some extremely valuable feedback. And I'd taken that feedback on board. And then when I saw you in real life, I was like, okay, it's time to apologize to this guy because I have felt so bad ever since because um, 
yeah I felt really bad like when I received the response and you're like oh podcasters like to feel special telling us you're a part of the challenge doesn't make us feel like we are sort of thing and again very valuable feedback you could have been a lot harsher but you weren't and I'm very grateful for that because I'm such a sensitive soul <laughs> but I, I remember when I saw you I was like okay I I, I need I need to say it and then you were so gracious you're like oh I, I honestly didn't think anything badly of it like I've known of you by seeing you in this Facebook group of Amy's so I know you didn't mean anything bad by it um and I was like oh okay so I felt like <laughs> I've carried this guilt for you for months until I yeah you hit you. you had built up a story in your mind that <laughs> I, somehow I, I was oh my <laughs> that I was mad about it or something like yeah. that and again like I knew you I mean you weren't you weren't cold pitching me someone you didn't know um you know I had I had seen you, I mean, again, my memory, and I could be wrong, but my memory was you were one of the very active members of that community was, in the yeah. group. So I, you know, and as an ambassador, I'd interacted with you a bunch. And so I knew you and, and, you know, again, I just knew that the thing. And so that's why I wasn't mad. And, and that's not why I didn't take you. I, I didn't have you as a guest because I wasn't really taking guests that summer. And so there was no, you know, again, it was nothing other than that. And yeah, I remember you coming up to apologize at the event. I was like, you don't have to apologize for what? Oh, <laughs> These are the stories that we make in our heads can really yeah. rule us, can't they? Um, oh, yeah. so, and by so- the way, I do the same thing. So just so you know, <laughs> I, I, I tell stories to myself all the time about other people, like these things, but I saw it and I was like, oh yeah, no, that, that was not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And, and I didn't know until we were talking, whenever it was a couple months ago, that I was the first person you pitched. I had no idea. I thought, I thought maybe that like this was like that you had gotten some kind of template from some kind of challenge that someone was saying everybody should go do this. And I would, you know, it was just, okay, whatever. But so it was interesting to hear and kind of learn that story. <laughs> and actually, that is a perfect segue into the, my, my first question, actually, as we're talking about being your own guru. So mm-hmm. Well, I, again, I really appreciate um, that feedback. And yes, the story I made up in my head was definitely amplified. <laughs> and, you know, for anybody who's ever learned podcast guesting from me, um, whether it's in my free content or through my workshop series or my programs, um, you you all should know that Bobby has actually been a guidance from the very beginning from that one piece of feedback. And it's like, so if any of you have successfully guessed on podcasts, it's been through Bobby's feedback, whether you realize it or not. And I really, really appreciate that. And um, what's interesting, what you said about what's like, oh, finding a template and asking every, you know, someone has doing this challenge, they're given a template, asking everyone to do. Why do you, like, because you shared with me that you don't really like plug and play, and neither do I for this very reason. So I'm just curious to hear from your perspective and how does that all kind of like come about in this whole being your own guru sort of topic? So, okay. So there are some things that plug and play makes sense for. I mean, yeah. let's just be clear. My legal templates, plug and play makes sense. Um, you know, cust- like not even customer support, but like technical support stuff, plug and play, re- email responses, all that makes sense. But here's my fundamental problem with it in the online marketing space. Marketing is not plug and play. Marketing mm-hmm. is not something where you can say, just follow these 10 steps. And, and again, maybe someone could say, follow these 10 steps. But each one of those steps requires a lot of judgment and it requires you to put thought, you to do research, you to figure these things out. And so like one of my, my big complaint with people talking about plug and play is, is I think they're hurting people by suggesting and getting people chasing some plug and play solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I believe we need to do is we all need to 
learn enough about the fundamentals of marketing that we can figure out all these things ourselves. And by the way, mm-hmm. it'll work much better, but it's like, you're also then aren't dependent on someone. Like, I, you know, I know a lot of people who would say like, oh, well, I got this thing and it really worked. I was like, okay, well, that was three years ago. Now it's a What do you do now? Oh, well, I bought their next thing and I bought their next thing and I bought their next mm-hmm. thing and I bought their next thing. Model. Yeah. Because it really is like, they're not ever learning how to fish. They're just being given a fish. Mm. And the problem is, for a lot of people, it doesn't work at all. And and I forgot in which episode, but you had an episode recently where you know it was like about being an introvert and how do you adapt. Like a lot of what we're being taught in the online space is for extroverts, and mm. how do you adapt that for introverts? Well, that's just one small piece of it. It's not just introvert versus extrovert. It's um, there's a lot of personality assessments. My favorite is the Gallup Strengths Finder. There. Are if listeners don't know, there are like 34, I think 34 different strengths you can have. And when you take the test, it will rank all 34, one to 34, where they rank in your personal thing. When you do the math, you are likely to share the same 34 with no more than one or two people in the entire world. Like that's how many options are on it. So it really is giving you this, this honest feedback, but there's, there's also different domains. So there's influence, strategic thinking, relationship building, and execute. Well, I lead with influence. Guess what? What does that mean? That means I communicate. I tell stories. I'm naturally going to be someone who just creates prolific content because that's what I do. Now, if you're not someone who has that as a strength, trying to copy me is one of the dumbest things you can do because you're trying to copy me in doing something that I'm doing naturally because it's my strength. And like, I've had these realizations all over the place. Like I have a, um, you know, I, I had a course, I mean, I still have it, but it's given away for free, but I used to, I, I had a paid course about email marketing. And at some point I, I had to recognize that part of the strength of my marketing, yes, I can teach you these ideas and I can teach you the concepts, but part of the reason I'm good at email is because my natural strengths make me a natural storyteller which means I can naturally tell a story in an email that will connect with people in a way. And I don't have to think about it. I don't need a structure. I don't need anyone to give me guidance. I just do it. Um, And so it's like little things like that. And I just, I think we all need to take a little bit of agency and say, we have to understand this stuff and figure it out for our, figure out what works for us, for our business, for our market, for my strengths, all of those things. And that's fundamentally my problem with plug and plays. It doesn't work for most people. And if it does work, it leaves you beholden to that person over and over again, because you're not learning the why behind what you're doing. And, and I mean, I'm talking, I've seen people who are like, who've been part of high level masterminds for like five years, who don't, who've never learned like underlying principles of marketing. And again, I, I look at that and I say, that means you're going to have to always be asking someone, wouldn't you rather yeah. learn it? So that you can figure it out yourself. And again, it's not that about being a bathroom. I like being in masterminds, but maybe you don't need to have to be like, like learning from the people. So. Oh my goodness. Okay. There's so much goodness here. And it's it's not just plug and play, um, even though that was like the root of the, you know, start of this conversation, but it was really just having more choices and not feeling like you're stripped of them when you are, as you said, like feel beholden to someone when you've bought mm-hmm. their templates or you've gone into their mastermind. Cause I love being in masterminds too, mm-hmm. but I would love to not feel like I need one. I'd love to want one, but not need one. Right. And just learning more and more and more lately about 
oh wait, this is all by design, right? This ascension model where you come in at the very bottom and then they keep selling you the next thing, the next thing, the next thing that um, makes us feel as if we need that. And we shut off our critical thinking for thinking for ourselves because we are taught to trust the authority, trust the expert. So all of this and being aware of this, is like, oh, okay, how can we take a step back and actually start doing that for ourselves? And I'd love to hear from you, Bobby. Like, what, what was that moment for you when you took that step back? Because like, wait, I don't, I realize I'm in your ascension model right now and I want to take a step out of it. So what so, was that like for you? Well, so here's the thing, not like, and again, like I, I, I'm thinking about the Ascension model because like you're right. When I think of it as an Ascension model, now it kind of bothers me. But I hadn't okay. thought about that. To me, I've always thought about like, I like the idea of having different offers at different levels, but it's not about once you're done with one, you have to take the next one. No, it's mm-hmm. simply, hey, can I provide, can I find a way like that makes it accessible to people who can't afford my more mm. expensive program, mm-hmm. but not as like, uh, I'm going to walk you up necessarily. But so yeah. that's, that, that's one of those things. I mean, look, I've always been aware of these things. Like I, I laugh last year, I was at, um, the virtual event on virtual events. So it was, um, the people who put on a lot of the big entrepreneurial events, obviously they had to shift last year because of COVID all of a sudden they're like, Whoa, we can't do live events. So they decided they were going to start doing virtualized. And then they created this big virtual event about how to run a virtual event. And it was so funny when they got to the pitch that all these people were like, like, cause you were in these rooms and you could see these people like, wait, we're in a funnel right now. I'm like, <laughs> you're coming to an event that's about teaching you how to run an event to pitch something. And you didn't think they were going to pitch something to yeah. you. Um, I mean, okay. But again, I've always been aware and like seen all of that happening. Um, and my awakening has been like slow, but part of what happened, I think, is um, my product is very different than, or my original product is very different than everybody else in the space. I'm not selling you a course, a membership. I'm selling you basically a product. Yes, it's a digital product. It's these legal templates, but that that meant it was fundamentally different in a few ways, but there's another piece here. I've tried every which way and there's just no way to funnel legal templates. It just doesn't work. I mean, again, I say that maybe if I was willing to be a complete fear monger and make people believe they were going to lose their homes if they didn't have these agreements, which would be a lie, by the way, I could maybe do it. But so I just couldn't do it that way. And so I was always having to market differently and kind Mm -hmm. of take a different approach. And so that was kind of part of it. I was seeing, hey, they're saying you got to do this, but no, you don't. But then another thing is like, I've been around in the space long enough to see like things that some of the, 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 the gurus now are saying, this is the way to do it. They were doing it differently three years ago. <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, wait, it I mean, changed. you know, and, and again, it's not that the market changes, not that something changed. Um, but so I've seen those kinds of things. And really though, my big awakening started, I mean, it was really last year um, where I started to get uneasy. Uh, about things. And I don't, I didn't know why I didn't know what was happening. I mean, look, it could have been all the other things happening. Black lives matter. You know, there was a lot of unrest in the United States because we were coming up on an election. There was a lot of things going on. Um, And I I couldn't put my finger on it, but (laughs) one of the worst things, best things, worst things, uh, best things for me, but maybe some of the people who don't like me making waves 
uh, in the space, like I last summer decided to like sign up for some like legit real marketing classes taught by the, the UC Berkeley extension program. And so like, literally I'm talking, diving into like marketing textbooks. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, this is nothing like what we're being taught in the online space. So all of a sudden I started to see this disconnect Mm -hmm. and I started to, to say, wait a minute, this doesn't look to me like what marketing is as it's taught classically as the fundamentals of marketing. And so that's when I started having this uneasiness and and it's not, and that's the thing. I don't believe that most of the people who are teaching are bad are evil, have bad intent. It's like a bad game of telephone. Like they're teaching what they learned from someone Mm -hmm. who taught what they learned from someone else who taught what they learned from someone else. Um, And again, when I look at it, just without getting too geeky, what I see in the space is we're relying way too heavily on one very particular part of marketing called direct response marketing and, Mm -hmm. and selling and marketing like sales is kind of part of marketing, but not really. I mean, a lot of marketing or a lot of like business thinkers would say that sales and marketing are different. And the point of marketing is that you don't have to sell. You literally just say, here's my thing. And people are like, yep, I want it because you've created the right product. You've positioned it right. They know you that you have the authority, et cetera. And so that was kind of the evolution that was happening to me uh, really over the last year, I would say, but really probably June and later. Um, and so that was kind of what was going on on in my head. And I've just ex- you know, extended it be like more and more. And again, I have ideas constantly. I'm constantly thinking about these things. Um, and so I've just looked and said, I think what's what's missing is discussion of real marketing principles. And so like the the fundamental things like not boring people too much, the four P's of marketing, you know, the uh, pro- product, price, place, promotion. So it's like all of these things like that are just the basic building blocks of a big business that maybe we should try to be working on here too. And so like, that's what I've leaned into is, is things like that. And part of it is like my business right now, my legal templates, which sell for $9.97. So a thousand dollars, if you want to get all my legal templates, um, 65% of the sales from those come from someone not on my list. I don't recognize their name. They land on my website and they buy. And it's not SEO other than they typed Bobby Clink legal templates. <laughs> so that's an example of like, brand equity and positioning. I've just positioned myself among certain groups as the person who has this solution. So people come to me. And to me, that's the sign of a mature business that you have that kind of thing happening. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So I I love that you called it an awakening. (laughs) So as well as learning more things, did you feel that was there any unlearning and peeling back? Oh yeah. No, there, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's the the more I look, the more I, I, I mean, again, and one of, one of the differences, and this is one of the things like I I've made a thing, I've made a, a stand. I don't tear any people down. I will tear mm. ideas down. I will attack yeah. ideas, but I've just made the decision. I'm not going to attack no again. No council culture. Right. And it's again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, if someone I know and like asked me, privately, I will give them my honest opinion, but I'm not going to tear people down because I just don't yeah. think that's useful. But like, um, 
what I've looked to, and, and part of it is, I think, again, and this is like my, my number two on my team, Katie, and I have these discussions all the time. And she always brings me back to, we honestly have no idea what's happening in their mind. And I don't think anything's happening, but so much of what we are taught to believe and have come to believe as an industry is about being self-serving. And let me give you examples of that. The notion that someone won't take action if they didn't invest. I mean, think about this. There's this whole lore of if, if people don't pay for it, they won't value it. Well, first of all, I'm just going to say, I can give you a lot of counterexamples to that. Like I can give you last year in my coaching program, there's one woman who had been just like, She'd been an advocate for my brand for a long time, and she didn't have the money, so I gave her a full scholarship for the whole year. She went from no business to a six-figure business in one year, and she attributes it to being there, getting the advice from me. And so I say, she didn't pay anything, but she was motivated. Now, I could talk about why, yes, if you give stuff away from free, you're going to have a lower, probably have a lower success rate, but that's because you will get the tire kickers. But the people who will take action will take action no matter what. But yeah. like that's one example of it. But why do we tell ourselves that? Because that makes us feel better about saying, well, I've got to charge. The way to serve people is by charging them. And I look at things like that and I'm like, no. I mean, I'm not saying that charging people is wrong. Let's be clear. We're in business. We got to make money. Um, if we don't make money, we won't be here to serve people. So I have no problem with charging, but I'm simply saying like those types of things are some of the these beliefs that I look at and I just think of now and I say, man, I got to unlearn that. And, and again, oftentimes it's, it's also like the tactics and practices. And I've taken to, to ask this question. I say, and, and I use Apple metaphorically, if this is such a great idea for marketing, why doesn't Apple do it? Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm really doing is I'm saying, let me look outside of our echo chamber in this online marketing space to see if other people are doing it. Now, I'm not saying that just because other people do it, that I won't do it or it's necessarily a bad idea, but I'm like, if the professional marketers and all these other places aren't doing it, why not? And can you give me a reason why we should be doing it? And if not, I'm not going to simply accept it. Mm. Um, And that's the thing I've done a lot more is those kinds of questioning. Um, You know, I have done away with, any kind of real FOMO. I just don't, I don't use any kind of scarcity in my offer because I believe personally that if I have the right product, the way I serve people is, is letting them buy at the time that is right for them. Now yes, that's not, absolutely. I mean, that's not going to be right for everyone. And what I mean by that is like, there's exceptions like my coaching program because it's cohorts, because I believe mm-hmm. them having their relationship with each other is important. Yeah. It's timely. I do it. Right. And that's why I do that. But I'll be honest, I question myself on that too. I just say, am, am I making an excuse there to mm-hmm. use FOMO to sell into it? But I don't think I am, but I constantly question myself on things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but those are just some of the things that I'm just working through on a daily basis almost. Mm, I, I love that. And as you were speaking about um, when people don't pay that they don't value it, it reminds me of this meme that was going around or is it GIF meme? kind of confused the two anyway there is this comparison between a $500 client versus a $5,000 client and the $500 client um you know what they're saying to the person who they're thinking of buying from they're like it's like oh you know basically they, they come up with a lot of objections and personally I'm not someone to just simply overcoming objections I want to understand why the objection is there and the reason why it got so famous is because the uh, the $5,000 client was like oh yeah money's in you know mm-hmm. less fuss 
right? Less objection. And then people in the comments are like, like, oh my God, yeah, like you you want to have high ticket. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing on high ticket offers. I have high ticket offers myself. However, what I really appreciated from um it was from Zach Stuckler. He yeah. he reposted this and it was like, okay, we get that some people might be in a position when a five thousand dollar investment is nothing to them. However, mm-hmm. A $500 investment to somebody else can be, it could mean everything. It could mean whether or not they can put meat on their plates for dinner or or they're going with beans and rice for the next month, you know? And it just just made me think of like, wait, as well, it's kind of like, what are we making these things mean about us when people are choosing not to buy? So as we talked about stories, right, we make up stories in our minds and, and then we make it mean more than it actually is. Yep. Well, and look, the, the, like Zach and I, you know, we were we were in a mastermind together for two years, and um, I was on his podcast. He's gonna be on my podcast, I think, as we're recording this in a couple of weeks. Uh, that the mm-hmm. episode will go live. But we talked about all this, and and he and I have like been talking about a lot of this. But you're right. I mean, you're right. I don't complain or ask a lot of questions when I drop five thousand dollars now. But you know why? That's because I can make that investment knowing. That literally, if I lose all of it, it doesn't affect my life. It doesn't really affect my business. It has no implications. So yes, I can make that. But that's not that I'm a less troubling or you know problematic thing. But it's also, okay, well, that $500 might be, as you said, it's the decision for them. It is a huge financial investment. And, and again, I think we should honor that. That people making these decisions are making big things. And I love what you said. You said something about objections because I had a podcast episode recently where I talked about this. Like, (laughs) I think the notion that we treat every reason that someone gives us for not buying as an objection to be busted is wrong. Mm, Yes. Money is not an objection, it's a reason. Yes. Not having time right now. Yes. (laughs) I mean, not having time right now, if your program is a limited duration of support, is not an objection, it is a reason. Mm. like them, like not having the resources to be able to invest in the other things that they might need to succeed is not an objection. It's a reason them not having a list. If you're going to teach them how to build a product is not an objection. It is a reason. Mm. And this is one of those things. I think the problem has become, and this is like, when you talked about the Ascension model, this is the problem with the Ascension model. I think is where the only thing you have is you can only solve one problem for people Human nature, we look, let's just be honest, we are selfish by nature and there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we survive as a species. Like if we were not self-interested, we would have died out as a species. Okay. Yeah. So we are naturally self-interested. So yes, I want you to buy my product. And if there's a reason that you can't, and I don't have a solution for it, it makes it much harder for me to tell you not to buy because I want the money. You know, I'm, I want the money. Let's be clear. And so this is part of the problem of it where you have this one thing. And like, this is why I, one of the values I had, like with my legal templates, I never had one product. Yes. I have my all in thousand dollar package, but I have individual templates that people can buy. Mm-hmm. I always had a bunch of different stuff. And again, it's different because I'm not really, I don't deal with objections over it. It's like, Hey, if you're starting a coaching program, you need a coaching agreement. I mean, you just do. I mean, it's, it's not a, like something where there's that, but yeah, I see this all the time. And this whole notion of having this one vertical of stuff, and that's all you help people with. Again, this is where I say, well, that's so great. Why does Apple not do that? <laughs> you know, and, and, and not just Apple. I look at everything. Now, listeners, this is I, don't listen to me because I'm not a guru, but listen to yourself. But I'm going to give you a, maybe some wisdom here. I'm not saying you go out and create everything at the beginning. That's not what I'm saying. 
But what I'm saying is long-term, having different ways to serve the same client with related problems is a good idea. Yeah. It's like diversifying your offers to meet right. multiple needs. Yep, exactly. Yes. And, and that's, you know, whatever you do, whatever, however you serve people, like figuring out what that is and not having a single thing. Because again, I'll just tell you, like, there have been a lot of companies that had a single product or basically a single idea that were great. And then all of a sudden that market disappeared and they're not mm-hmm. around anymore. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that business. You know, I, I'm weird. I think, I think in decades, I don't think in years. And um, even though I'm, I'm 43, I think I got at least 30 more years before I'm going to, you know, stop working. And so I'm like, I need a business that's going to be here for 30 years. Mm. Um, and that's how I'm thinking as I'm building things. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. So it's just, uh, God, I, I get so riled up with the whole, um, the objections versus uh, reason thing. Like I, I, I did a post a while back about like, oh, it's not an excuse. It's an explanation, right? <laughs> and it's, it's like the same parallel as like, uh, well, and, just and, like unlearning, unlearning that. <laughs> and again, like the notion, like, and, and again, so this is the thing, like there's a lot of like weird stuff in, um, the the gender relationship here, but you and I both, I think, largely like operate in an area that is largely female entrepreneurs. My audience, ninety percent female entrepreneurs, um, and this is the thing where some of this might there might be general issues. But the notion of telling people that they should make a big decision like this without talking to their spouse, if they have a spouse, yeah. is yeah. just ridiculous. It is silly. Very irresponsible. I mean, you know, like when I'm going to invest in a $25,000 mastermind, you better bet I'm going to go talk to my wife about it. Because again, that's $25,000 that it's in my business. Felt. Yes. Yeah. But I could take out as profit if I didn't spend <laughs> it. And so it affects her life. And, mm. and, and same thing with your partner. You have that issue. It's like, we should talk these things over. Yeah. But more importantly, and this is something like that that we should think about. Like, if you're selling anything expensive, like the notion that we're we're gonna like set triggers and incentives so people don't sleep on it is crazy to me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, people should sleep on it. Um, yeah. and, and on it, talk it out, Absolutely. right? Just figure out what makes sense for them. And like, this is another place where I've been different than other people. I made this I made this decision recently, which makes me really weird. I'm no longer gonna do a free event with a pitch, and I mean like. I don't do a lot, but like, like my, my free content is going to be free. Like I'm not going to do a training and then pitch you at the end. Now, you know, when I do my virtual event, I'll, I'll do training there, but it'll be paid and I'll make a pitch. But guess what? I'm going to tell everybody three months in advance, I'm going to make a pitch to you. Now yeah. it's not right for everybody, but just so you know, but I'm also going to deliver a ton of great content and a ton of great stuff, but that'll be the only place where I'm combining training with a pitch. Like um, we're going to do a half year cohort into my, into my coaching, uh, group coaching program, um, coming up here soon. And at first we're gonna do this massive event. And then I said, no, cause the whole point of that is about serving me, not serving them. Mm-hmm. It's literally about, about me doing this. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to tell people, look, we're going to open this up. If you're interested, if you're someone that's interested, I'm going to do a couple of coaching calls. You can pay a hundred bucks. You can get in, uh, to the coaching calls. And if you decide to join, we'll apply that to your to your membership. If not, great. You got two coaching calls as a group with me for a hundred bucks, but it's a way of simply saying, this is a sales pitch so that you understand. I'm giving you this experience so you know what it's like, but it's to sell you something so that I am a hundred percent transparent with people and they know what's coming. Because I just think treating people like adults is the way to create like raving fans over time. Yes. And 
Oh, as you start talking about this, I was like, oh, because I, I, I have I have dreams to run a live event mm-hmm. in in real life, and I actually don't want to pitch at all. I want to give them three days of incredible experiences. I know what songs we're going to sing together, and I want I know how many people are going to be in this room, and the kind of speakers I'd want, and I, I love that. It's just that really radical transparency, just letting yeah, and- people know what they're in for. You know? Right. And, and so again, like you and I have been to these events, but a lot of these events, it's it, so they have you do a lot of things. They have you journal about your dreams. And mm-hmm. again, it's future pacing you about what's possible and all that stuff. And that's like, these are sales events, which again, it's fine, but just tell people it's a sales event um, mm-hmm. so that they know. Whereas like my event last year, we didn't do any of that stuff. I did train like hardcore. I'm training you. It was like when I rolled out what I uh, what I now call my uh, badass online marketing framework first time completely as I'd been working on it. And I was showing everybody all of the things. And I mean, it was value, value, value. Um, that also played a trick on people. I made them think I was going to pitch one thing. Um, which I didn't. And then I told them at the, like, so I, I, I told them that I was creating this thing called badass online marketing university that, um, I said, it's right now it's got online marketing foundations. It's going to have a course about legal foundations. Uh, it's going to have a course about, uh, about list building, building courses, copywriting, messaging. And I went down this whole list of all these different things. And so they thought I was going to pitch that. And then like I held off and then, um, at, <laughs> it's funny, I get emotional every time I say this, um, at the last, the last session of the last day, I told them it's free for everybody. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that makes me emotional, but it does every time. Um, and it does because it was my solution to a problem that I saw in the industry of people having to decide to spend $10,000 to learn all these different skills, have the time to decide this isn't something I want to do. Like having to invest, you know, thousands of dollars to, to learn about how to create a membership only to decide, you know what, membership's not right for my audience. And then have like the same thing over and over again. And I just said, and again, it was this thing of me recognizing I had $50,000 to throw into my business, but most people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, like what you were talking about, 500 bucks is a big investment for them. And so I just wanted to, to, to turn things on its head. And it was kind of funny. Because we talked about this awakening and things like um, after the George Floyd uh, incident last year, um, my team and I talked and we add be inclusive to one of our core internal team values. And we didn't we didn't broadcast it. We didn't talk about it, but we added that. So we want to be very intentional about doing that. Yeah. And it hit me literally like in the lead up to the event the last week that I was just living that out in a different way. It wasn't about being inclusive based on, on race or anything like that. But I was trying to make entrepreneurship more inclusive by saying, mm-hmm. if you can't afford this stuff, cool, I'm going to give you this training for free so you can learn it and figure it out. And if you're one of the people who's going to put in the work, you can succeed without having to, to invest a dime in me. I want you to learn this stuff. I want you to be my peer, not my perpetual student. Oh, my peer, not my perpetual student. And like when... there's a reason why you get emotional about it and I'm not going to put words to your feelings but witnessing you talk about it um I felt relief when you said that when it was like oh it's free by the way (laughs) it's like yeah you can do this like no matter which position you're in you can do this 
And that's your choice. You get to choose this one. And money is not what's going to determine that choice for you. Yep. Again, and like I can talk about, like, I think there are marketing reasons why doing this is good for my business. I'm looking five years from now. I think personally, I, I, I'm a skeptic that the training-based model for selling is, is going to be like, meaning that we sell trainings is going to be a way to build like big businesses going forward. I'm just a skeptic of it. I, I could be wrong. Um, but I think more direct contact is just going to have to be part of your offer. Absolutely. And, you know, so when I'm doing this, I'm looking at it, I'm saying by the time people three years from now figure it out, I'm going to have 30, 40 courses in this program. And so someone who wants to like, you know, compete with me is going to have to be like, okay, well, I got to create 30 or 40. So again, there is a marketing reason for it, but that's not why it started. It, it started yeah. as a crazy idea that I, I pitched to my team and they were like, wait, we're going to give this away. <laughs> And again, now as of now, there are five, and I've got a friend who put a a finance basics course in. I've got a friend who's creating a a branding course, putting in there. I've got a friend who's going to create a a sales course because I'm not like, do you want to know how to sell on a phone? I'm not the guy. I can't help you at all with that because I I have no interest in trying to do those things. So um, I'm having other people who are contributing, and it's it's been a blessing because it's just going to become this resource for people that. Let's use it as something, but but really the the and it was funny. I, I don't know why I looked back, but I looked back recently at some comments. I don't know where I saw this. I don't know if it was in the Facebook group or something. But so I had off the cuff. I am very good off the cuff. That's what I do. If it's prepped too much, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I decided to tell what I call my cause story. It's one of the kinds of stories I think we should all have. What is our cause? What is it that motivates us to do what we do? Yeah. And I told my cause story, um, and I wasn't planning it, but I told it the morning the second day of the event when I, afterwards, I, I literally, I tricked people. I went through what looked like a pitch for the bomb you, um, <laughs> and then said, I'll tell you more about that later. But, but I had before that told my cause and my cause story is I knew so many people who came up with me in 2017 and 2018, who I know they did the work, who I know they invested like four and five figures who are not in the industry anymore because they've been chewed up and spit out. It didn't work for them. And, and I don't like that. It just drives me nuts because these are amazing people who've been convinced that they can't build their own business. Um, And that was the thing for me that I see amazing things from so many people. Now, again, I'm not going to tell you everybody you should be an entrepreneur. A lot of people shouldn't because there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, My team, two of my three, like, you know, team members, like W2 employees are people who had their own businesses and decided they didn't want it anymore. Um, but I don't think it should be for lack of information or for hoarding people hoarding the information, only giving it to you if you pay them money. Yeah. Accessibility. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I said. I was living that out without knowing I was living that out. And, and again, I tell people that's what makes something a real core value. You don't have to think about it. It, it just, it is who you are and you're doing it constantly. Like one of the things I tell people is you should have core values in your business, but also like internally and all those things. And you know, you'll find those things when you just look at what do you just do without having to think about it. And again, it was this thing we were we were trying to find ways to literally do, even though no one had asked for it, and we couldn't because of technology, we couldn't. But we wanted to find ways to do live closed captionings during our event, even though no one had asked for it. We're just like, how do we? And we went down a bunch of rabbit holes. And this year, we're going to try to start earlier to see if we can find a way to do it. Just because I don't want anyone excluded, I want anyone, no matter what, to be able to come and and get the content, get the information learn from me, um, and then take that information and run. 
Oh, this is so wonderful, Bobby. And I'm glad that you're, that you, it's a shame that you had to see this problem, but I love that uh, the solution that you have come up with it is a lot more accessible and a lot more inclusive, no matter where people are in their journey or how much money that they have in the bank to be able to invest in themselves. And I think that's mm-hmm. wonderful. And so I, this is you finding your version and being your own guru. And to start rounding off this conversation, I would love to know any um, pearls of wisdom or any questions that y- you can share with us to help us find our own version of what it means to be our own gurus. So, I mean, I think the first thing is you have to do the internal work to yes. understand who you are. Yes. And again, I, we all have different preferences. I've taken MBTI. I've taken the DISC. I've taken the Gallup Strengths Finder. I've taken all of that. So everybody asked me my Enneagram number. I was like, I don't know. I've never taken it. Everybody guesses, which I find funny. <laughs> um, but but find the things that help you understand. And then like, if you can afford like someone who can coach you like on those things, I think that's valuable. Like we worked one of my, the people who's in my coaching program, but she is a Gallup certified strength coach. And so we, I had her coach me, my team and everybody. And like, it was like little things. Like she helped me recognize. Cause I would say, well, well, that explains why I was so good at debate and being a lawyer. She said, no, maybe you became, and I, or I would say something like, well, I'm probably good at communication because I became, I was a lawyer. And that she said, did you ever think that you became a lawyer because you're good at communication? And so it's like little things like that, mm. that she helped me see that I was like, oh, wow. Like all of the things came together. And it was through doing that work that I recognized things like, I'm a natural communicator. So of course I'm going to be good at storytelling. Like literally if you, if you read some of my strengths reports, like one of the things it'll say is you naturally tell personal stories that you link into your professional life. I'm like, wow. they've been reading my emails. <laughs> Cause literally, that's what I did. <laughs> and like, this is like, this is the kind of stuff where you see that. And I recognize, Oh, that's how I'm designed as a human being. Yeah. That's why I do that. But recognizing that about yourself is part of it. So you know, what, what kind of person are you? And again, like there's like on the, the Myers-Briggs, I'm the I'm ENFP, which some people call the performer. It is the, the personality shared by like thing, like comedians, like Jim Gaffigan, most comedians are ENFPs. I'm not saying I'm funny, but I naturally have that same kind of energy that those people do. So is it any wonder that I'm a person who wants to be standing on a stage entertaining people, no matter what that means? Maybe it's giving a value, maybe it's inspiring them, but I want to captivate people. Mm-hmm. Again, it starts with knowing who you are. And once you do that, that's piece one. You got to know who you are. Then I would say, figure out what do you stand for? Um, and one of the things I tell everybody is no matter how you serve people, you can't be me too. It can't be... I'm just going to teach the same thing someone else does. You got to figure out how do, what do you believe that is different? And this is where, again, me being self-confident, it's easy for me to do this. A lot of people struggle with this one, but figure out what you see people teaching, doing in your, in your particular space that you think is wrong and be willing to say, I think that's wrong. And you don't have to do it in a mean way, but people have to be able to see you as someone who is different, who, who has a different viewpoint. Again, I always say this like, you know, and again, I'd like to use one name, like if you're going to teach business, like online entrepreneurs, how to use Instagram, why am I going to learn from you instead of Jasmine Starr or Tyler McCall? You got to tell me. Otherwise, no offense, I'm not going to buy from you. 
And so like, that's the kind of work we all need to be doing. And that's inner work, figuring out what do I believe? And, and at my event, Mel Abraham, uh, one of my buddies, he, he was one of the speakers. And he talked about this, like too many people rush to market before getting to expertise. Find the expertise. What makes you different? What is your belief? And then market that. And that's the first thing. And the other thing I'm going to tell you is, and this isn't great news for a lot of people, unless you're learners, which is by the way, one of my uh, strengths. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to be willing to learn the whys of marketing. And this is one of the things I tell people. When you start an online business, you are a marketer. Whether you like it or not, you are a marketer. And that means you have to take some time to understand you know, basic marketing principles and, and kind of don't simply say, what am I supposed to do? But say, why? Why do you want me to do that? If nothing else, simply so yeah. you can learn. And then go from there. And then you can start, again, you're learning how to fish rather than just being given a fish. Um, just or you can be crazy like me and, and like sign up for marketing courses just for the heck of it and read marketing textbooks. <laughs> Most people won't do that. Everybody has some digital courses in their vault that they haven't unlocked for years. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, Most people, like I said, will not like literally have two marketing textbooks sitting next to me, uh, among other things. I bought like a marketing ethics textbook. I'm really weird because uh, I geek out about this stuff, but I love we, it. We love, we love weird. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, but here's actually, let me give you another piece here. And this isn't about being a guru so much, but one of the things I'll tell you is you should be that excited about whatever it is you're helping your people with. Yes. Um, and and I, I kind of, I had a, I don't know if it's a podcast. I did something. I talked about three passions you should have. One is a passion for who you serve. Because if you don't like the people you serve, you're not going to be willing to do the work. Second one is a, a passion for like the problem. Like, what is your mission? What does that cause? Why do you have a passion for doing this? And the final one is a passion for your solution. You should be passionate about how you're helping them solve that problem. Um, and, and if you find those things, like I tell people, I get up every day and get to go play with friends. That's what I do every day of my life. And I have a very successful business doing it. It doesn't feel like work. Not like, again, when I'm literally doing some random like HTML coding, that feels like work still. And yes, I still do a little bit about that. But no, this is easy. And that's part of it. Like when you have that passion for what you do, it'll come through and that will help you lead. And again, that's the other thing you have to lead. You can't follow. Ooh, that was a, and if you're hearing like, random things in the background well, we have a sudden thunderstorm here in the <laughs> so I was like oh crashing mute um but yes I, I just want to confirm like everything that you just said because it's funny that you said oh that's how I'm designed as a human because how the way that I measure myself is through human design and through the 16 personalities test and that has been like the biggest eye-opener for sure like understanding why I do the certain things that I do and then I completely believe in having that cause story because I kid you not is doing the inner work that's helped me to realize like I don't just help people guest on podcasts for the sake of it not just to extend their reach for their business and all the things which is that is what it does but the why mm -hmm. underneath it is acknowledging the fact that um, I have a lot of people of color in my audience and I'm so grateful that my solutions have been able to help them to self-advocate for themselves, to enable them with the skills, understanding why they need those skills, why a certain way, so that that way they can book themselves on podcasts to be on platforms where they can share their message. Because they, not so, not 
to say that they don't have it, but I didn't have the the financial resources to have an agency booked for me. And even if I did, I know how some of these agencies work because I received their pictures. Oh, I've, I've learned. I've learned too. I've, yeah. <laughs> that's a lesson I've learned multiple times. <laughs> and, you know, it is what it is, the PR, the PR world. Mm-hmm. However, the solution, why I'm so proud to provide it is helping underestimated and underrepresented mm-hmm. voices and mm-hmm. enabling with them with the skills that are absolutely timeless, that the things that I've taught them, like, yeah, there's some things that might change. The fundamentals, they will never change. And I'm so proud to put that out in the world. And I just want to say that, like, yes, having those multiple passions, passion, like who you serve and, um, you know, what solution you're putting out there and, you know, why you're doing it is just is so good. And, well, yeah. and, and can I, let me, let me follow up on that real quick. Like yeah. this listeners, this might be a, a something that, again, I don't know if you can do this, but this would be a good test. When you said earlier, uh, Mickey, that like when you were telling people that if they'd learned anything about pitching podcasts from you, that it was because of me, it gave me chills. These are people I've never met. I've never made a dime from. They're not in my audience, but that's because I'm passionate about helping the same people that you help. And so what I what I want you yeah. to get is like, if someone said that about you, listener, like, would it like excite you because you're like, yes. I help like I had a ripple effect that helped some people in the world. If so, you you're in the right place. Um, because you should get excited about seeing results for people and the ripple effects you're having, regardless of whether it means you make a dime. Yeah. Because that's a sign that you are in the right place, serving the right people with the right solution and you know, have the right reason for doing it. Mm. Oh, I love that you brought it back to that. It's kind of like the, the journey of how like, we met in a way. <laughs> and yeah, we definitely serve the same people. And it may not be like this. I think it's like we have different parts of the ripple. That's right. where that's a crossover. Like mm-hmm. our core, like what we're doing, like what we're providing in the world is probably pretty different, right? So like the the core of our ripples are far away, but because of our ripple effects, they're overlapping at some point. And this is where we're meeting. Yep. I love it. Love it. Oh, well, it's just been such an enlightening conversation. I just want to say thank you for your transparency with what you've learned, what you've unlearned and just kind of like the problems that you see, the solutions providing and acknowledging all, all the entire time, because like when we're in the green room, I really appreciated that you acknowledge your own privilege. And I have privilege too. Like, you know, a lot of us do have a privilege to a degree and it's how we use that privilege, not just for ourselves. Yes, for ourselves, because let's be honest, we we need money to, you know, put food on the table and keep the roof over our head. Yes. But acknowledging our privilege in a way that allows us to help people who have less of it, where it's more accessible and more inclusive, that's what we're here for. I just want to say thank you for that. Well, yeah. I mean, look, you're welcome. And, and again, this is weird because this is one... And again, I, I said this in the green room, listeners, if you don't know me, I am white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, um, uh, heterosexual, cisgender man. So short of being born into the royal family, I, I pretty much <laughs> tick off every privilege you could have. But ironically, I think I learned part of my perspective on it from another white man, ironically, um, John Rawls. I don't know if, if you know John Rawls. He's, a, he's an American philosopher, um, and he, he's famous for a book called The Theory of Justice. 
But one of the things I learned from him, he has all these things about how we should organize society. And I'll leave that aside. But he talked about something. And I learned this in high school debate of all things, because I read the book and it hit me. All the things that like we have privileges, like the things I mentioned, like I have, but I have all kinds of other privileges. Like the fact that I have the particular kind of intelligence that happens to be valued in today's society and that I was born in the United States of America, where it is valued, where my rebellious streak is likely to make me successful. Whereas in many countries in the world, even today, if I was born, my rebellious streak might've gotten me killed. And like all of these little things, I don't deserve any of them. I deserve none of it. And so because I deserve none of those like privileges, I don't deserve any of the fruits of that. I can't claim to deserve to have the business I have. I have the business I have because my particular set of traits that I happen to have been born with and all of the other things contributed in a million different ways. And that's the thing. I learned that as, as, as a kid in high school, and that has stuck with me. And that's why I look and I say, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm going to give because I don't, it, it's not mine. I don't deserve any of it. Now, again, I want to live a good life. There's no question about that. Um, but that's a little thing that I learned. And it's this, this small little takeaway, which I want everybody to think about that. It's not just about the privileges that we think about. It's the privileges we don't think about. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. some people are born with like an emotional makeup that will make them more attractive just to people generally. Do they deserve that? No, it's a privilege. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, to quote Spider-Man, which I rarely do. With great privilege comes great responsibility. And that's what I believe to my core. And I think all of us need to recognize that um, and be willing to stand up for the things we believe in. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, I love how you wrap that up right there. So just going to let everyone sit with that for a moment as we start to wrap up. Wonderful. Thank you, Bobby. Thank and you. For... Anyone who has met you for the first time through this podcast and would love to stay in contact with you, where they where can they go to connect with you further? So you can find me a lot of different places. On all the socials, I'm Bobby Clank, um, and that's Instagram. I'm on Instagram, but just so you know, that's not really where I'm most active. Um, I'm a Facebook person mainly. Um, and you can find me there, but also I have a free group on there called Badass Online Marketers uh, there. But also, you know, you could find my podcast, the Certified Badass Online Marketing Podcast, or you could join that free training program I talked about, uh, Bomb You, which again, like as of now, as we're recording, this has five courses, including online marketing foundations, online legal foundations, online financial foundations, messaging foundations, and my badass email marketing course, which um, you know you, I used to charge for, but I decided I'm giving away for free. And as we speak, I'm working on a content marketing, list building, and social media marketing course, which will also get added. All of that free. That's it. bobbyclink.com forward slash bomb you, B-O-M-U. Bomb you. Yeah, I'm going to look at that myself. So thank you. <laughs> okay. Bomb you. All right. So be sure to pop all of those links into the show notes. So Everybody, don't worry. I got you covered. You know, I always do. <laughs> so, Bobby, I've got two final questions for you. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. The number one is what makes you a quiet rebel or your spin on it, which I know you yeah. have. <laughs> what I'll say is that I am an unconventional rebel and mm. I'm an unconventional rebel for a couple of reasons. Number one, 
because of my privilege. Let's be honest. There are not a lot of people who are meet all the things I tick who are willing to rock the boat. Um, and what I'll tell you is like, you know, I was not just all those privileges, but I have friends who are among the elites in our space. And it would have been very easy for me to not rock the boat, to simply go along and get along, be an affiliate for the programs, do all those things. And, and you know, my business was already in the uptick and I could have done that. But choosing to stand up for the things I believe in um, potentially costs me things. I mean, it, it makes me a potential competitor, a con- potential threat. So they might not want to be an affiliate for my legal templates, but I was willing to do it because it's what I believe in. So that's why I'm kind of an unconventional rebel. But the other reason that I, I got to say is I'm the most conventional rebel in the world. And what I mean by that is what I'm teaching, what I talk about, the things that I stand for aren't revolutionary ideas. I mean, I'm a person of faith. I could say I'm basically teaching people to, to you know, act according to, to the, the basic ethical ideas I learned um, from the Bible, like starting with literally the golden rule that I'm going to treat people how I want them to treat me. Um, the marketing stuff I teach is not like, I'm not teaching you some other thing. I'm saying, no, no, let's go back and learn fundamental principles of marketing. And so I, I seem way more rebellious than I am is I guess what it comes down to. Because I'm rebelling by saying, let's go back and look at time-tested principles and apply them. Mm. Yes, this question, because um, I have a couple of loud rebels and like, um, is it okay that I still come on? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Because the irony of being a quiet rebel is that you can rebel being a quiet rebel, so, <laughs> which is what I love, all oh, the irony. Um, all right. And so I've got one final question for you. And for my listeners who have been around the block, you know what's going to happen next. But just in case this is your first episode and you picked a pretty damn good one to listen to, by the way, when you hear the sound, it means it is time for a fact of the day. So, Bobby, because you're in our guest chair today, I'd love to ask you what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the Internet? So, and this is hard because like the, the problem is, and I told you this in the, in the pre-show, like I don't hide anything. I tell everything, but I, I guess, and again, I don't know that this is weird. Um, everybody thinks of me as an extrovert's extrovert. Um, what I'll tell you is if you meet people in my real life, they would say, I don't talk much. They would say I'm quiet. They would say I'm shy and they would say I'm an introvert. Um, and, and the reason for that is that I am an extrovert when I'm with my people, when I'm with like my core people, which are online entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. I am an extrovert. But at the same time, I'll tell you, if I go to like a big event where I'm not really known, I'm going to be the quiet guy. I'm going to be the one off to the side. Um, and and again, that'll surprise you, Mike, because you've seen me in the context where I'm no unknown quantity. I know people and I am. Oh yeah. You're famous. Like you walk, everyone knows, but (laughs) in that context, I'm loud, I'm boisterous, but I'm not that way naturally. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so again, the assessment has come out that I am an extrovert, but I am an inhibited extrovert. So I'm a shy Mm -hmm. extrovert, but again, this is one of those things. A lot of people think it's, it's polar and and it's not. I mean, you mm. you can be a mix of everything. So again, I'll simply tell you, no one believes me when I tell them this in the online world. If you talk to my wife, if you talk to everybody else in my life, they would say he is not an extrovert. No one believes that except in the online world. Mm. So you hear that, Quiet Rebels? We got the inside scoop. <laughs> but, but I should add, can I add one thing? But I'm not putting on an act because that's the mm. other thing. I don't want you to put on an act. I'm being me with my people 
Like mm. what it is like when I'm with my family and a small group of people, I know this is how I am. And when I'm with people online, I finally feel like I'm with people who know me, who get Yes. Me. Yes. That's what it is. It's that, mm-hmm. that belonging. Cause everything you just said is how I feel as well, because I'm, I can be considered somewhat extroverted in the online space, but when I'm with my family, I'm quiet as a mouse, right? <laughs> because the things that I talk about, they're not, you know, they don't like talking about those same things. Like with my friends, with my with my dearest friends um, who aren't business owners, I love the deep, meaningful conversations we have. And when it's the online space, it's the combo, the deep, meaningful conversations, business ideas, messaging changes, they're doing a rebrand. Like I love geeking out about that stuff, right? So it's, just, it's like who we get to geek out with is what brings out this extrovertedness in us. Exactly. I, I think that's right. I, and again, you say you're an introvert. So maybe I am an introvert. I don't know. I've taken the test 18 different ways and sometimes it's introvert, sometimes it's extrovert, but whatever. Me too. I wasn't, I was an extrovert, like right in the middle, but I just like 51% extrovert. <laughs> but then I took that test again and then I became 75% introvert. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it changes, it shifts. It's not something that's set in stone for sure. Anyway, Bobby, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Quiet Rebels podcast today. So I just want to say thank you so much again for your transparency. And um, I know that some of these topics aren't very comfortable for many people to listen to, let alone talk about. So I really appreciate you. And I'm really glad that we met the way that we did and that we've reconnected in the way that we have, especially now that our ripples are like crossing over together. Well, thank you very much. It it has been an amazingly fun conversation. And so, my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.